You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Do you know what alarms me, Ethan? The fact that you didn't start with a hey? Well, that does. No, that's cool, though. Now that you've brought that to my awareness, I'm going to be bothered by that for the rest of this recording. I'm invigorated by it. I'm glad. Yeah. I was going to say what bothers me is that Zach always says these funny bits right into our our headphones. Right before we start. Right before we start, and no one else will ever get to hear that. Yeah. No one and, else and people complain that we laugh too much. Yeah, Listen. that he <laughs> did it he's, he's just now. Right now. He just did it <laughs> right now oh, in this moment in space time. Do, I hope you can appreciate what we're doing. That's, we're suffering. We for the suffer so much for the kingdom. <laughs> um, well, golly, today, mm-hmm. today is the day yes. that the Lord. Has made. Has made. Hath hath made. made. Wow. Bringing out the King Jimmy on me, as my friends say. The the what? The hath. Oh, yes, the hath. Yes. (laughs) Same thing. Well, I thought you said half. Like half and half, Mm -hmm. like coffee creamer. I'm about that. Actually, I'm Um, not, but I do appreciate it. (laughs) I use other dairy products. Same. Yeah. But today, today. being the day that the Lord Mm -hmm. hath made, Mm -hmm. and we being joyful, we rejoice and are glad in it. Yeah. Yeah. Solid eighty percent. Need to that. do an episode on that psalm because it's, I think, often misunderstood. But okay. that's that's you know another episode. I'm another looking, day. I'm looking forward to it. I hope another time. I hope everyone else is looking forward to that with me. <laughs> because today, uh, speaking of psalms, which are in the Bible, yes. which uh, is known to us as the Word of God, yes. <laughs> Actually, legitimately, have been having a number of conversations recently with folks from our church about how to read the Bible as the Word of God. In other words, how is the Word of God actually the words of God? Yeah, and not just a title we affix to it. Right. Like, oh, it's, just, that's, it's a book and we call it the Word of God. Yeah. No. Like, how does that book actually contain the words of God to us, to me? Mm-hmm. And I think a number of these conversations have been sparked by... As of this recording, I'm teaching at the academy at the Lost Creek campus. Right. We, we've have a, we have a session of that going on, and these are questions that kind of come up around those subject matters that we discuss in the academy. So I've been having a number of conversations on this topic, and so I thought it might be helpful to perhaps uh, unfold this a little bit in a podcast, because this is information and uh, a topic that I think is helpful to Christians of all walks and wherever they happen to be. Sure. So, we're going to get right into it here. All right. I guess when we're talking about the Bible as the Word of God, we have to start first and foremost with how we get to the reality that the Bible, the Scriptures, are actually God's Word. Like, in other words, how did we come to that claim? How did we come to that assumption, if that's an assumption that we're making? And that's actually an easy step because the Bible itself speaks pretty clearly about itself in these regards. And here's what I mean. We'll use two scriptures as an example of this. The first is one that probably most Christians are familiar with. It's 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. Paul writes, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So in other words, the Bible, through the words of Paul, is claiming that all the scriptures are breathed out by God. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we use the term, they're inspired by God. Right. Which is not to say that, oh, you know, like I'm inspired by this song to go write a, a poem or something. Or like, some not like that. Highly fictionalized film is uh, inspired by two events. Yes, like that. No, no, no. It, there was this direct tie where God 
in some rare cases, literally dictated the words we find in Scripture, like the Ten Commandments. We read that he wrote the Ten Commandments on the two tablets of stone. Or we read in the prophets, thus says the Lord. And those are his literal, direct, direct words. Mm -hmm. But then you have... 2 Peter one twenty one, which says, No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, which is another way of saying all scripture is breathed out by God. But you have some cases where it wasn't dictated by God in the same way that, say, the Ten Commandments were, or some of the prophets were. Mm-hmm. Rather, the prophets wrote a message, but God superintended his meaning upon those words. So he used the writing style, the vocabulary, all those things— And he communicated what he intended to communicate through them. So it's not just the human author at work. God is the author behind them. Right. Bringing the prophecies of scripture and the writings of scripture to bear. And you'll notice that these are both written by New Testament authors. They're writing about... The Old Testament. Right. So... I did notice that. Yeah. Which leaves us with a bit of a question, doesn't it? Which is... Well, what <laughs> what there is to be said about the New Testament and the veracity of that. Right. Yeah. Because is the New Testament just something that a council of guys in the fourth century decided, well, here are some books that support our agenda and we're going to canonize them and we're going to call them scriptures. Well, that's actually not how it plays out because we actually see in the New Testament itself a witness to the fact that even as early as mid 60s AD, the apostles and the church recognized that there were writings of the apostles that were authoritative and had the same weight and gravity as scripture. Okay. And they were calling it scripture. For instance, 2 Peter 3.16. This is so subtle, it's easy to miss, but he's writing about the letters of Paul, Peter is, all right? And he says, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, no kidding, Peter, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. (laughs) It's so indicting. It really is. (laughs) (laughs) And the key thing to notice there is that Peter classifies Paul's writings with the other scriptures. In other words, again, that means that by the mid-60s AD, because 2 Peter was most likely written in 67 or 68 AD, Paul was either awaiting execution or had just been beheaded, probably. Oh, really? That means that at that early of a, a stage in the church's history, there were apostolic writings that were recognized as part of the canon of sacred scripture. Man, I cannot imagine to be in that time and also recognize the significance of that time. That's yeah. unheard of. We never do that. Yeah. We only no. recognize the significance after the time is long gone. Oh, yeah. That's wild. Yeah. And again, I think that's a testament to the involvement of the Holy Spirit yeah. in the writings of the scriptures, right? We have the Nicene Creed says, uh, we believe in the Holy Spirit who has spoken through the apostles and the prophets, which again is just an acknowledgement of the fact that there wasn't, it wasn't just ordinary human beings writing ordinary things, that the very spirit and presence of God was active and involved in these writings. So all that to say, to begin with, the scriptures themselves at least claim for themselves to be God's word to us. That's at least the claim they're making for themselves. It would be kind of cool in another episode to explore how the scriptures actually prove and show themselves to be the authentic word of God, but that's another episode. Yeah, that's this a pretty in-depth topic. Uh, yeah, this isn't meant to be like an apologetics thing, more of no. <laughs> how it affects our engagement. Right, yeah. So how this truth, if fully realized and understood, 
can affect how we read the scriptures. Yeah. Very astute. All that to say, yeah, maybe we'll touch on that in another episode. As a matter of fact, on this topic, if you'd like to know more about how the canon of scripture was recognized and how that was formalized, we did an episode on that actually very recently. Mm-hmm. I think it was a few episodes back. If you go back into our archives, you'll find that. Yeah. Pretty easy to find there. So, all that said, we see that the Bible claims to be God's word. So, how does that claim actually change the act of reading it, as you pointed out? How does, yeah. that, how does that change and affect the way that we engage with it? Another way to phrase this question that might be more specific is, how is reading the Bible both similar to reading other books and yet utterly different from reading other books? And I suppose it would be most helpful to start with the familiar territory, which <laughs> okay. is how is reading the Bible similar to other books? Because, you know, the Bible is a book, mm-hmm. which means that at least in some ways, many ways perhaps, reading it is quite similar to reading other books. Sure. Most notably in the fact that we read. <laughs> we read the Bible, right? The Holy Spirit doesn't suddenly come and, you know, zap you with... Uh, look, if that's if that's the interest, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> That is up for offer. I am ready to accept. Yeah, actually, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because I've I've had that thought. I'm sure many Christians have, especially you know since the canon has been closed. Mm-hmm. That it would just be so neat, wouldn't it, if literally the Holy Spirit came to us and spoke to us, perhaps in the same way He spoke to the prophet, the apostles. Oh, yeah. right? How cool would that be? And I think you know, on the surface level, yeah, how cool would that be? But then I think about the things that they had the apostles and prophets had to endure and suffer. (laughs) Not just because, you know, oh, we're God's people, you know, and we're, but because they had the burden of carrying that message and that responsibility. It's like the great philosopher Ben Parker once said. (laughs) (laughs) Please, your reference is much better than what I was about to make, but I'll make it anyway. Please, though, please start. Oh, you know, Ben Parker, you know, speaking to his nephew, Peter Parker, Uh Spider-Man with great power. Mm. comes great responsibility. Yes. Or like the great theologian Thanos said. <laughs> Something along the lines. Oh, I see you too are cursed with an arm. <laughs> what a jerk. Shout out to the Avengers movie. What up? <laughs> oh, but yeah, like as I think about that, the more I'm like, man, I'm kind of grateful that we have scripture. We have the word of God in the form that it is and that we don't have to bear the burden of... Well, you know, even like the prophets, okay, I'm getting a little sidetracked here, but the prophets, right? We read again, I think it's in 2 Peter, where he says, or 1 Peter, one of those two, where he says, as regards to what the prophets were prophesying and writing about, they inquired diligently as to what the spirit of Christ was revealing to them and within them, but it was revealed to them that they were serving you. In other words, they were writing and seeing and being given knowledge of things that they didn't fully understand. And they had to live with that curse of knowledge yeah. and God being like, oh, don't worry, that's not for you. Exactly. That's for you. So they, they didn't actually get those answers. <laughs> right. Which yeah. is, oh man. Yeah, I don't want that. I really don't. Like, I can't handle it when a movie leaves me on a cliffhanger for a year. <laughs> Again, shout out to Avengers Infinity War. Yeah. I can imagine like, oh yeah, well, you're going to die and uh, Christ will come liberate you in a couple centuries. <laughs> and, uh, I, I feel like our know. like our daily life is full enough you know, of uncertainties and things. I don't want more. Yeah. I'm good. I'm don't. full up. Yep. So all that rabbit trail to say, when it comes to the word of God, now we read it like we read other books. Yeah. We read it. We take words together. 
in sentences, which form paragraphs, which form chapters contained in books. And we put all that together in our head as we read to seek understanding of what the texts say and mean, which is what we do when we read any book. Yeah. Right? So that means that many of the same skills that serve us when we want to read a novel or a biography or a history or any other number of books. The same skills that help us in reading those books will help in our efforts to read the scriptures. You want to be able to ask good questions of a passage. You want to pay close attention to it. You want to note what you're seeing, all those mm. kinds of things. See how big ideas connect with other big ideas in certain texts, all those all those things. And that's actually very similar to what we've said, I think probably more than once, about how we engage with art, yeah. whether it be film or, or scripture and actively participating. Mm-hmm. And that engagement. Yeah. So not taking it passively, not yes. just like, yeah, that's a better oh, way. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to let it in one ear out the other, so to speak. And, yeah. you know, that's going to have a change. Like, no, there's a reason that the, the scriptures themselves talk so much about meditating upon them. And yeah. to use Psalm 119 language, hiding the word in our heart, which has been hijacked and sentimentalized to death. <laughs> but, you know, it is, it's true. It's true. Now, perhaps. Where our reading differs most from our ancestors in the faith is that most people heard these texts read aloud, whereas we tend to read silently by ourselves. So, like this morning, I flipped open to my reading plan and I read silently by myself, right? Which is, there's nothing inherently wrong with that and nothing necessarily bad about it. It's just, it means we're experiencing the reading of the scriptures differently mm-hmm. on a regular basis from, say, our Jewish ancestors, right? They most often heard the texts read aloud, say in the synagogue or in the temple or the tabernacle. And they did it very communally. Again, nothing wrong with, you know, it's a gift to be able to open your Bible in the morning or in the afternoon or the evening or pull it open on your phone and read it to yourself. You know, that's a gift. But scriptures were most often read by our ancestors communally aloud. So all that to say, if you want to kind of get back to some of that, that experience of it, I recommend personally an app called Dwell, if you're interested in this sort of thing. It is an app that is all about listening to scripture. It's really cool. They have like up to this point, they have four different voices. They have different music settings you can put in the background. Oh, that is cool. They have the whole New Testament, and they're almost done with the Old Testament at this point. Oh, wow. So this is this is kind of like a recent project. Oh, very recent, yeah. It released last year, complete New Testament. They didn't have anywhere near as much of the Old Testament as they have now, but they're, they still got a couple of those books left. Old Testament's long, man. It, it is. Lots of, no lots of books in there. That was, uh, again, another rabbit trail. I love getting on <laughs> rabbit trails, but... Um, you know, Eugene Peterson, guy who wrote the message, translated the message, I guess is the more accurate way to describe that. This pastor, poet, theologian guy, amazing man. He had an opportunity to meet Bono because yeah. Bono reads the message. Yeah. He like liked the message. <laughs> and Bono was like, hey, do you want to come hang out? Like come to a concert and hang out. And uh, you can hear Eugene Peterson tell the story himself. But the story goes, he turned down Bono's offer. Like go hang out with Bono. Like nobody does that. Nobody goes and turns down an offer, a personal offer from Bono to hang out with Bono. Suffering, right? suffering from success. Yeah. Yes, yes. And Eugene Peterson turns him down because he's working on a tight deadline on the message, right? And the guy who's interviewing him says, you must be the only man in the history of however long to, to turn down an offer from Bono. Like, it's Bono, man. And Eugene Peterson pauses. He says, Dean, it was Isaiah. <laughs> you know, because the story goes, it takes forever to translate. A little rabbit trail. This is fun. You know, I like those little <laughs> stories and you got to splice those in there when you, when you get the opportunity. But yeah, if you want a different experience of reading the scripture, listening to it does force you to experience it differently. Yeah. And I think that's really good, especially when you do it with diligence and humility before the text. Shout out to the audio format. Yeah. 
you know, that's. I think we mentioned this in an episode recently when we talked yeah, we about did, reading. Yeah, we did actually, yeah. But um, listening to books being read counts as reading. Don't let anyone try to tell you otherwise. So those are the similarities, right? That's how reading the Bible is, you know, like reading any other book. Yeah. However, the Bible is not like other books in that it is a supernaturally authored book, right? Even though it was literally and physically penned down by human authors, like Paul said in 2 Timothy 3.16, it was a God-breathed book. Like Peter said, it was a book that was written by people who were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So perhaps in the most important ways, reading the Bible is nothing like reading other books. And this can get you into some really, really crazy advanced metaphysical discussions. Yeah, In fact, I've, I've been reading several books on this topic recently. It was especially in preparation for the Academy, and okay, it's, yeah. it's serviced these discussions well. But, I mean, you get into some crazy metaphysical discussions that, again, don't have time for. Maybe in a series of episodes that will probably only be interesting to 5% of the listener base. <laughs> But all that to say, I think I can show us a little bit about what we're getting at here when I say that reading the Bible is not like reading other books because it's a supernaturally authored book. Um, And I'm going to be working from the presupposition that we take the Bible's claims as true. Yeah. Again, which may be another episode to say, you know, how do we know, you know, all these things. But the Bible is not like other books, perhaps in some quote unquote obvious ways. So we would take the Bible as authoritative in matters of life and faith. So we would base, say, our lifestyle and our ethical code upon the Bible, right? Which puts it in a special category from other books, right? Certainly. I'm not necessarily going to read William Faulkner's novel, As I Lay Dying. It's, it's sitting on my nightstand right now. That's why I, I feel like I've recently heard that title. Very recently. Oh, Have we spoken maybe. about it? I don't know. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, strange. I'm not going to take it to mean anything because I'm not going to read it. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard enough for me to just keep up with what, I, what we have, yes. But all that to say, I'm not reading that to base my sense of, you know, I'm not going to base my lifestyle and my entire ethical code on that book. Right. Like I am a book like the Bible. The thing is, there are texts that function like that for other communities apart from the Bible. Yeah. Like the Quran for the Islamic community, right? That's going to have a special authority for the Muslim faith, Mm -hmm. right? So both of those books are different in that sense. However, what we're trying to get at is that we believe the Bible is different in that it's also supernaturally authored. Not just how we treat it or perceive it. Right. So we're not saying that the Bible is merely a book that some well-informed folks wrote that had some pretty wise and moral aspects to it. We believe that the living God himself spoke through the human authors of the scriptures, and that he is still speaking through them. Here's an example of this, all right? Matthew 19, 3 through 5. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and they're trying to trip him up. And so here's what we read. And the Pharisees came up to him and attested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And he answered, have you not read that he, God, God who created them from the beginning, made them male and female and said, now hang on to that, And said, referring to God, God said, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Now, that's a text on marriage, gets into some pretty, uh, again, moral philosophical discussions. That's not what we're trying to highlight here. It's a a larger can of worms. Yes. What we're highlighting right here is the fact that Jesus attributes, he's quoting in that passage, he's quoting Genesis 2.24, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother. That's a quotation from Genesis 24. Right. When you read that, when you read Genesis 2.24, Moses is just writing that. Yeah. And the, narr- the narrator author, Moses, he just, he's writing that out. But Jesus says, God said that. Right. He attributes those words to God. So in other words, 
we're getting at this reality again. Moses literally physically penned the words of Genesis 2.24, but God was speaking right. in those words. That is a crazy reality that kind of can make your head spin, but that's the reality that we hold to and believe as Orthodox Christians. Yeah. Moses wrote the words, God was speaking and is speaking through those words. It, feels very, it does feel very sci-fi. It, it very, very sci-fi. Yeah. Oh, the original sci-fi <laughs> right here. <laughs> uh, so that's one level of it. But okay, here's another great example of this. And these are so subtle. Uh, Hebrews 10.5 says this. He's been writing about the sacrifices and all this. Okay. I says, consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sinner offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as is written of me in the scroll of the book. Now, here's another instance. The author of Hebrews in that passage is quoting Psalm 40, 6 through 8. And he attributes those words to Christ. He says, when Christ came into the world, he said these words. Hmm. Now, what's odd about that is that Christ never says those words in the Gospels. Yeah. He is never recorded as saying those words. Which leaves us with the reality that Christ was speaking in that song. <laughs> written centuries before Christ was actually incarnated in the flesh. So again, we see people with a recognition of this. Yes. The spirit of Christ revealing things, prophesying, working within people like Dave and the prophets, and they not being fully aware, perhaps, of what they're saying. Yeah. I mean, it's perfectly, you know, again, I can't get into the advanced metaphysics, and I feel like <laughs> even saying this would be like, oh, you're going to open up a whole other can of worms that you can't explain. But David could be writing those words and you know, he has something and, you know, he's thinking, I'm writing, I'm writing something here about sacrifices and saying, you know, God desires obedience, you know, more than sacrifice per se. Yeah. Again, another discussion for another day. But God behind that and a deeper level of meaning, right? Not that the text has separate meanings, but at a deeper level, Christ is speaking in that text. And David may not be 100% aware of what's going on, but Christ is speaking in that psalm. Yeah. Speaking to us today, just as much as he was thousands of years ago. And our general tendency, even in Christianity, all right, even when I was getting my education at Liberty University, Christian University, our tendency is to scoff at an idea like that because we've been trained to read books and read the world from a naturalist perspective, specifically Epicurean naturalism. But again, another discussion for another day, which in another way of saying it would be that we kind of run around with this assumption that nothing supernatural is actually real. Like it's this nice lofty idea, but we don't treat it as actually functionally real. Okay. And so we would functionally, we would never claim to actually believe this, <laughs> but often we treat the Bible as if only the material and observable world is real. Okay. Therefore, the idea that a person born, Jesus born in zero AD, the idea that he could, he would be speaking through a man born centuries before him, that idea strikes us as ludicrous. We say, well, that couldn't be it. Mm. You know, we got to treat the Hebrew scriptures as the Hebrew scriptures, and there's no way that Jesus could be speaking through them. But that's exactly what the New Testament over and over again says about the Old Testament. It says that Christ was, for lack of a better term, hidden in the Old Testament scriptures. And now that he's been crucified and risen, we see him clearly in the Old Testament scriptures. And he's speaking to us through them in a uh, sacramental sort of way. We would almost, again, it's not that we would admit this, but we almost treat it as like these myths. Yeah. These familiar myths. But mm -hmm. as, as Tolkien would say, I'm going to let you take that. There's the one true myth ah. that all myths point to and that all find their source in, which that's how he won C.S. Lewis to the faith. Exactly. <laughs> C.S. Lewis was mesmerized by Nordic mythology. Oh, um, though. And I mean, it is like, here's, the, okay, another rabbit. We got off into so many rabbit trails, but 
<laughs> there is something like Nordic mythology yes. strikes me as truer than the absolutely insane materialist only world that our modern day quote unquote scientific outlook I think wants to produce. I, I want to take this conversation like real deep. <laughs> yeah, like, Let's do it over lunch. Yeah. I mean, like for real though. It's intense. Yeah. And Token's point was that those myths strike us. There's something about the beauty of them that strikes us as true and something fascinating about them because there's something about that written on our hearts. To quote the author of Ecclesiastes, eternity mm-hmm. is written on the hearts of men. And they're just extensions and shadows of the true myth of Jesus Christ prophesied and foretold and speaking all throughout the Old Testament scriptures, culminating in the gospels and then lived out and explained sacrifice incrementally in the New Testament. Yeah, we're just scratching the surface, man. Like, I mean, whole books, courses. Oh my gosh, where to begin? (laughs) All that to say, all right, hopefully at the end of all this, this kind of makes sense. If you want to read the Bible as if God is actually speaking, here's the thing. Approach them prayerfully and reverentially and believe that God is speaking through them. I guess basically is the most summarized version that I could say of what we've been saying is that believe that. Take the author of Hebrews at his word that when he says, Christ said, Psalm 46 through 8. Listen and pay attention and believe, yeah, God is speaking to me. What is he saying? What did he intend for me to understand? Yeah, and I actually think that's very important that we could place a million caveats on this. Yeah. But I think most importantly, it's to take it within the context. Yeah, and, right. And not to abuse this, but yeah. also allow this to um, affect your approach and your mindset and the way you engage. Right, yes. And that was a, a brilliant observation is like, don't twist a passage. Take things within their context and... Be expecting God to speak to you through the words he has spoken, uh, to paraphrase the great theologian John Stott. So, all right. Yeah. That's it. That's not it. But, you know, that's all the time we have for this topic and all we can say on it for now. So, if you have more questions on it, you can shoot it to Uh, Ethan at Horizonschurch.com. If you do, I'm going to put you in spam so fast. You will know just what hit kidding. you. I had to get that in there just to surprise everyone. How dare you, know? you surprised me, so. Where, where do they actually send it to? Um, Josiah? No. Uh, <laughs> podcast at horizonschurch.net. Yeah. Or interact with us on social media. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Hmm. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.